So that spread, that difference is almost $300,000. And the reason why that matters is because you're trying to grow your portfolio for your goals, your retirement, your you know college goals, whatever the case might be. That dollar difference makes a huge difference and is can be quite the drag over time. Hey everybody, Seth Silvers here with another episode for you. And many of you have probably noticed that I love learning from this show. I love bringing these stories to you, but I also pick a lot of the guests just based on businesses that I want to learn more about how they're making an impact. And this week we sit down with Julie Fletcher McDaniel and her and her partners have a financial firm in Denver, which is just about an hour from where I am. And they're truly doing things differently. They're focusing on something called impact investing. And I remember uh, when I learned about impact investing a handful of years ago, it kind of blew my mind. It was like this whole other world of uh, how we could make an impact through um, our money kind of working for us in the way that we invest. And so if you have any interest in finances or the financial world and how to use that world to make an impact, then I think that you'll really, really like this. We talk about some of the things that are going wrong in the finance world and how um, Julie and her partners are doing things different to serve their clients better. So let's dive right in. I think you'll really enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Small Business Storytellers, the podcast designed for business owners, marketers, and entrepreneurs wanting to make an impact through the work that they do. I'm your host, Seth Silvers, and my passion is building brands that last by marketing with stories. On this podcast, we share stories with you of people who are growing their businesses the right way, and we teach you how to grow what you're doing through storytelling and authentic marketing. Let's get started. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Small Business Storytellers. Uh, today's a fun episode because we get to dive into the financial industry. Uh, we have had one other financial planner on uh, or financial professional on the show before. And I love this industry because I just think there's a lot that needs to be demystified and clarified. And, um, and it can get complicated. But uh, when done well, I think that uh, finances are a way that we can really make an impact. And so I'm excited to have Julie Fletcher McDaniel on here from Impact Folio. Thank you so much for joining us, Julie. Perfect. Thank you, Seth. Yeah, absolutely. We met at a event in Denver a couple months ago at um, a conscious capitalism event where the purpose of this event was really showing and kind of reporting, talking about some of the results now that we're a few years into kind of impact investing becoming a, a little bit more mainstream and really showing that businesses and people that are investing in other businesses that are doing good work is it actually like works like businesses that prioritize value last longer. And so I love that event and I wanted to make sure that we got you guys on the show to talk about what you did. But uh, Julie, I know that you can describe it better than I can. So give us a little bit of context for uh, what it is that you guys do at impact folio. Yeah, thank you. Um, so we have three partners, myself and Scott and Rebecca, and um, we all have been friends for many years, um, all CFPs and um, uh, part of the same study group uh, that we've been part of for many years. Um, and we decided about a year ago to actually partner together um, and create Impact Folio. We've all, um, I've been in business for about 13 years. They've each been in business for about 20. So we're kind of in a mid-career change. Um, we wanted to found Impact Folio purely around the concept of ESG investing. That stands for environmental, social, and governance. 
Um, the interesting thing is that we are all fueled uh, differently. And so Rebecca really is passionate about environmental um, aspects. I'm passionate about social aspects. And Scott's passionate about governance aspects because of just our own personal backgrounds. Um, and so we have seen ESG investing become more um, mainstream in the financial services community, but we're really taking the stance that this is what we feel is the, um, the, the, the most appropriate fiduciary way to invest for our clients and where we see the future going. Um, we really look at it from a risk factor standpoint that the companies that we have our clients invest in have to follow certain criteria and mandates in order for us to invest in them um, to help mitigate some, some risk factors um, as opposed to taking kind of a broad brush stroke with traditional investing. And one of the you know, issues we've seen um, is that in the past, um, there's been this kind of mentality that if you want to invest this way, that you would have to give up returns and that it was rather expensive way to invest. And that's no longer the case. Um, there was actually very, very inexpensive ways to invest this way, um, as well as when we do all of our benchmarking and compare to um, typical benchmarks, we find that we are able to have the same return, if not higher. So that's just um, kind of not the case anymore. Yeah, which is which is really really interesting, and and I think what I'd love to do on this episode is kind of uh, break this down for you know your everyday person um, who maybe isn't as you know they're they're they might be a business owner, but they're probably not in the place where they have millions of dollars that they're investing and they can really be thinking of this. Is this concept of impact investing? Is this applicable for kind of your you know your blue collar worker, your everyday Joe? Oh, absolutely. Um, the, the reason why I say that is because there's a lot of companies, um, a, a couple of the investment companies that we see pop up very often is iShares and Nuveen, and they have um, ETFs, which are exchange traded funds, which are a very inexpensive way to invest in a basket of securities, kind of like a mutual fund. And they, um, have, they have very low minimums, if, if any at all. So anybody can open an account and choose these different investments um, with their own screening. And it's, you don't have to have millions of dollars to do that at all. And so um, we, as a firm, help our clients choose those investments and, um, you know, analyze and, you know, rebalance and reallocate over time. Because the great news is that, that more and more different products are coming on the market all the time. Right. which makes our job more difficult, <laughs> but it's right. a good thing. That's really showing me that there is an investor demand that's driving this um, and going in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. So I, I want to talk about what's wrong with the financial industry um, in general, <laughs> right. because in, in the applicant, when you sent in kind of answered some questions, uh, mm -hmm. you use the words radically reject the established norms of the financial service industry, which I love. Uh, the Good. strength in that language. So I want to talk about what's wrong. Um, but first, yeah. I want to learn a little bit about how did you get to where you are today? Did you, um, have you been doing impact investing for your whole entire life? And if not, um, what kind of led you to the place where you are where recently you guys decided the best option for us to do this is to start our own firm? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So 
I, a lot of the credit I would need to lend towards Scott Arnold, our investment um, portfolio advisor, he has done a ton of research over the last probably five years and learned a lot more about impact investing. And he was the one who said, I'm going to open up a firm and only do impact investing. Um, and then Rebecca and I, um, as the financial planners, are partnering with Scott on clients. And so um, we have learned a lot more through Scott and absolutely align um, with that belief system. I would say that none of us really have major backgrounds in impact investing because, again, there's the, um, the kind of uh, mentality that you're going to have to give up returns. And so now we're seeing more firms just in the last decade, if that, offer these types of investment solutions for their firms, but usually it's kind of like a afterthought, maybe sidearm, you know, here 95% of what we do is traditional investing, but then here's this kind of like side, you know, uh, you know socially responsible thing that if you really were a tree hugger, maybe you'd be interested in that. <laughs> and that's kind of the way that the many firms operate um, and it's evolving and getting better but I'd say that um, that's still very much a norm across the industry. Hmm. Um, and so we um, decided to, to create this partnership amongst our firm, like I said, a bit over a year ago. Um, it was one of those very uh, serendipitous things where there was one day when Rebecca and Scott went out for coffee one morning and Rebecca said, I think I need to make some changes in my practice. And Scott and I went to lunch that same day and I said, I think I need to make some changes in my practice. And he said, won't the three of us get together and start to have some conversations. Hmm. And that's kind of how we went down this road. That's awesome. So yeah. what's wrong? What would you say is wrong with the financial yeah. service industry? Yep. So there's been a few aspects to that of things that we're trying to do differently. Actually, I'm going to make that three things. So number one is this ESG impact investing, they can be kind of different, loose terms, if you will, um, that is an afterthought. And we would like to see that be more of a forethought. Um, we'd like to see more firms take that stance of really taking all stakeholders into account as opposed to just shareholders. So impact investing is one way that we are trying to be a leader in our own industry here in Denver. Um, a second way is that we have seen an evolution of the way that advisors charge for their services, and we think that there's still a lot of improvement to be made. Um, we've seen a lot of firms leave the traditional commission and product world behind um, because of all the conflicts of interest there, and they've gone towards this kind of 1% asset center management fee, maybe dial up a little bit, maybe dial down a little bit, but it's usually some sort of percentage. Um, we actually see that there are still conflicts of interest that lie in that model as well, um, because there seems to be a mentality of needing to gather, gather, gather assets um, and then hold on to them. And right. so if a client comes to you and says, I'm thinking about starting a business or making a major charitable contribution or doing some impact investing or paying off my mortgage or helping a family member, um, the list goes on and on then you have there's this pressure from management to say nope don't do that let us keep investing it for you so we can keep earning as high as fees as possible right so it's hard to really truly sit on the same side of the table as, as the client under that one percent aum structure um, we also find that when you break it down into hourly fees they become egregious very quickly 
So um, I'm going to just give you an example of what that could look like is let's say that you have a client who you're investing a $2 million portfolio just for the sake of easy math. And they're paying a 1% fee, so they're paying $20,000 a year in management fees, and that's in addition to internal investment expenses. Um, If the client feels like a fair hourly rate to pay their advisory firm is $250 an hour, let's just say that's the case, then you would expect that your your advisory firm is spending 80 hours a year working on your specific case. Now let's break that down into capacity. So if the advisor's capacity is $1,500, or excuse me, 1,500 hours per year, which leaves another 500 for operational work, then that book of business can only consist of less than 19 clients. Hmm. Um, I would say that's very unlikely. Right. Um, so let's flip that and say we we found in our experience that each client varies, but an average. Um, expected amount of hours per year be about 25 hours per year on average. So if that is the case and they're spending 25 hours a year instead of 80 hours a year, then you're paying them $800 an hour, which is probably more than you'd pay your brain surgeon. (laughs) So that's where when you break it down to hourly fees, it becomes um, higher than it probably should be. So the way that we have um, taken a stance in that world is all of our clients pay the exact, exact amount um, same amount, which is 5000 a year. And we break that down to say we're going to spend 25 hours a year at a, at a rate of $200 an hour, and that gets us to 5000 a year. That's very straightforward and simple. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And I, and I think it's helpful for people to know, like, um, to, I just want to encourage our listeners to not check out in this conversation if you don't understand oh, no. finances. <laughs> I lose them. Uh, because it's just, it's something that's so worth learning about. And I mean, I've recently with some family members and stuff, I've seen that people just don't think about it. They just kind of do what they're told with finances. And, and it makes, right. it's really good for the financial advisor who, you know, continues to get that 1% and, and probably mm-hmm. is not even doing 25 hours of, per <laughs> client of work. They're probably doing a couple hours of client of work per year, but they have so many that it works out for them. Um, and so I think that I just encourage you guys, like find out what fees you're paying. Um, you're probably mm-hmm. going to have to ask more questions than you should. Like you're probably gonna have to ask the same question to multiple people before you actually get straight answers <laughs> because mm-hmm. so many people in the financial industry, they want, um, they just kind of want the fees to be hidden. So, uh, I would love like the super simple explanation of why fees actually matter in this. Um, and so mm-hmm. like you've mentioned the 1% and I asked, uh, on our other episode with financial professional, I kind of asked Lucas to talk about the, what is the value of 1%? And so I would love sure. to hear from you as well. Um, for all the people that are like, well, 1% is not that much of my yeah. assets. Like it's, it really is not that much. Like surely I can afford that. How valuable is that 1% and why should we be concerned with that? I have another example for you. So, and I'll keep this simple math. Um, just from a just a pure dollar standpoint. So, if you look at a 20-year time frame, let's say that you start with a million-dollar portfolio, and you pay a 1% fee on that, then over that 20-year time frame, you would pay a bit over 390,000 in fees. On comparison. 
if you paid a flat $5,000 a year fee like ours is, over that 20 years, you'd pay $100,000. So that spread, that difference is almost $300,000. And mm -hmm. the reason why that matters is because you're trying to grow your portfolio for your goals, your retirement, your you know college goals, whatever the case might be. That dollar difference makes a huge difference and is can be quite the drag over time. Right, and what we're not even talking about is uh, if that money was then further used to, yeah, you know, be compounding and whatnot. Like I think people just don't realize that the difference between one percent is actually it's actually like tens of thousands of dollars over your career. Um, yeah. And the service that you're getting is, is not that much different. So I, I wanted to touch on that. And then I want to make sure that people get the, this concept of impact investing. And I want you to talk a little bit about mm -hmm. why is it working? Um, and kind of the traditional mm -hmm. side of things is, you know, your financial professionals, they pick what stocks and investments to go into, but then, um, how are you guys actually making, like, how are you making an impact through the investing and through the way that you're serving your clients? And how, how is this actually working for your clients? Like, it's not just a, a good idea that doesn't make money, but it's actually like these impact driven businesses and these purpose driven businesses that would be considered in the ESG world. Um, mm -hmm. Is this thing, is, is this working? Yeah. So um, let's take a specific example. Um, so if a lot of times we'll do comparisons of, a, you know, different funds, you know, let's compare this fund versus that fund. And let's just see what that looks like from a return standpoint, but more importantly, from that ESG standpoint. So a couple of factors that we will do in our benchmarking um, include uh, fossil fuel exposure, carbon footprint, carbon intensity, a gender lens score, weapon exposure, and tobacco exposure, um, as an example. But when you break that down into real-world terms, um, let's say that from a carbon intensity standpoint, that one fund uses 115 more tons of CO2 emissions for every 1 million in sales. I know that's specific, but I'm going to get into the, what that actually means. What that, that's equivalent is taking 24 passenger vehicles um, off the road for a year, or over 125,000 pounds of coal burned or 266 barrels of oil consumed. And as you can see, you can start to put these into really kind of real world specific terms. And that's just putting money into one fund versus another. Um, and we can do that benchmarking all day long. Hmm. Does that so, help kind of yeah, make it absolutely. more specific? So, <laughs> I mean, I think that it's not just in it. Well, I'll, I'll back up and say that, you know, part of the reason that I started story on four years ago was because I realized that I was not the only one who wanted to pick businesses to support that I felt were, you know, caring for people that, you know, money wasn't their only priority. They were really driven by impact. They were driven by purpose. And I remember, I think, I'm this is probably kind of typical millennial story, but I remember the first time I like heard of Tom's shoes and I saw their first documentary when they were less than a year old and just kind of being awestruck. I think I was in high school at the time and mm -hmm. recognizing like, wow, this business is actually using business to make an impact. They're using business to serve people. And so that, that really started the journey for me of beginning to understand like, okay, I would rather, 
choose businesses that are doing good work, that are you know putting more effort into their quality, that are treating people better, that are giving back to their communities. And I'd probably even pay more to give to a company that I know is doing that. So mm -hmm. the good, you know, the good years, is you don't have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and years later, you know, I realized I'm not the only one. Uh, this is kind mm -hmm. of a huge shift that's happening where most people are actually willing and wanting to support businesses that are prioritizing, um, you know, giving back and prioritizing the way they make things. And kind of, I would say the fancy term for that is this industry of ESG um, mm -hmm. and stuff. So is, are you kind of, are you guys getting to the point where you're realizing and there's data to show from like a stock perspective that businesses that are prioritizing the planet, they're prioritizing people are actually performing better and are actually growing better than the others? Or is it just kind of like, is it still a pipe dream that this whole giving back thing works? No, definitely not a pipe dream. Um, we, the reporting on this type of investing is getting better all the time. Um, in our past year, we've been on the search for um, a, a software company that is assembling this type of data and creating reporting so that when we meet with clients, not only can we show them their you know, risk return factors in the portfolio, but more importantly, their ESG footprint. Um, and so we haven't found quite the perfect uh, software solution for that yet, but we've been actively searching for some time. Um, but from a big global standpoint, there's lots of great statistics about how, you know, one in four of every dollar that's professionally managed is now in some, some sort of respo socially responsible manner. Um, and we're seeing, uh, for example, BlackRock is a huge player in the financial services industry who's taking this really great stance on, um, you know, writing to CEOs and saying, show me how you are um, changing your company to take into consideration the impact on these various different aspects, such as the environment, et cetera. So we're really seeing every day there's better and better um, information and statistics. It's, it's, uh, it's really encouraging to see. Yeah, which is, which is amazing. It's so cool to see uh, the data beginning to show up. And that was a big part of why I, uh, when I started StoryOn, I remember kind of the, the moment where I jumped off the cliff and chose to make that leap was when I was reading a, a study in um, this big research project that had been done that was showing that I think I said 92% of people are willing to switch brand loyalty, you know, switch to a new brand if they feel like that brand is more socially responsible and socially engaged. And so it was, yeah. that, that was one of the, you know, this was four or five years ago. And I think the data was, you know, a year or two backdated once they processed it all. And so, but that was kind of the beginning of they're really beginning to be data that shows that businesses that are prioritizing taking care of people and taking care of the planet are actually performing better and people are wanting to support those kind of businesses. So I love that you're bringing that into the investment world. When you answered some of the questions we sent you before this podcast, you said mm -hmm. that our big dream is to radically reject the established norms mm -hmm. of the financial service industry and that you hope to inspire future advisors to follow in your footsteps by leaving traditional investing in the past. Tell me more mm -hmm. about that. Uh, tell me more about, I mean, it sounds like you guys have, you have, a, you have a big dream to see the financial industry operate completely different than it has 
And I would love to know a little bit more about where you guys see Impact Folio going. Yeah, um, which is a little bit ironic because our goal is not to create this Impact Folio empire. <laughs> um, we, one of the things also that we're doing differently is actually we want to work with less clients, which is um, opposite of what you would usually find in your podcast. Um, we've each of the three of us have come from backgrounds where we've worked with way too many clients and it, that's not good for us or the clients. And so we actually, when we start our firm, we started with the end goal in mind and we're working backwards. Um, our end goal is to work with 180 households between the three of us and then stop. And then we'll consider at that point if we want to bring on future partners and build horizontally instead of vertically. Um, most not, well, many firms um, in, our, in our industry will build that empire where you have kind of the founders at the top and they build out junior advisors that kind of trickle down from there. Um, and we actually purposely do not want to build that way. We want to build laterally. Um, and so we, we would like to become leaders in this industry, but we don't want to create this huge, massive empire firm, really more for our own lifestyles. Um, we want to create this lifestyle firm where we can serve clients in the best way that we know how to do so um, and live a life that we enjoy outside of work as well. Hmm. Um, I, I love that. I think that's great. It's been, yeah, it's been really encouraging just in the past, like I said, a year ago that we launched. Um, we have been receiving resumes from um, people coming out of college or recently out of college saying, hey, I found Impact Folio online and I really want to come work for you. Mm. And, uh, and that's been wonderfully encouraging. And I hate to respond and say, we're not hiring, but, but please keep doing what you're doing. Um, so that's been, that's been really fun to see the even younger advisors or people entering, entering this, this industry already out of college are recognizing the importance of impact investing in the future. I love that. I think, I think that, is wonderful. And, you know, we, we have these like magical numbers that we think we have to hit where people say like, I want to run a million dollar business or be a billionaire, <laughs> all of these things. And I think that most people realize, or most people don't realize that, um, you could, you know, most people could run a, a fairly small business and have an amazing lifestyle. Like you could have time yeah. with your family, could have enough resources to be able to provide in the ways that you want to. Like we kind of have these numbers that we've attached value to like, you know, Oh my gosh, I want to have a $5 million business when, you know, maybe, maybe that's what you need. It all depends on people's goals. And so I love that you and your partners have recognized that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, what, what kind of life do you want? And let's build a business around that have you seen uh yeah do you guys feel like it's been more rewarding and life-giving for you in this last year um i'm sure there's been challenges but have you felt like you've been able to just get more life out of the work that you've done um now that you're kind of doing your passion as opposed to um even maybe maybe before it was a little more sustainable but you were kind of working in the industry uh, in the sides of the industry that you don't like as much. So has, has this year felt really different on a personal level? Yes. And I can, I can't say yes loud enough. <laughs> um, I feel like in the past year since we've launched um, this business that personally, I feel the healthiest that I've ever been. Um, I've just with the 
so much less stress and so much flexibility in my life and opportunity to get more sleep and exercise and all those things that are very important. Um, and I love the lifestyle and flexibility that we've created. And more importantly, we really enjoy working with each other um, to be able to pick the people that you work with day in and day out is so massively important. Um, and so when we have, you know, our meetings and we're working together in clients, we just really enjoying each other's company and having a lot of fun. Um, and personally, um, I also am very appreciative. I'm actually expecting um, a child. We're having a baby here in May. And to have that flexibility of being a working parent, but um, create what I want that to look like is, is huge for, for myself and for my husband. So hmm. I couldn't be happier to make this change, especially in the timing that we have. Yeah. I, lo I love that. That is, that's wonderful. Um, yeah. And encouraging too. I, I think it's just, it's in, you know, you, it, it's the things you hope for. I think people that yeah. start their own businesses and are, that are kind of driven by their passion and what they really care about, you know, we believe it'll work, but there's also this like kind of crossing your fingers of like, I hope this yeah. actually works. And so it's always encouraging when you hear people that are saying like, I, I do, I enjoy my life better and our family's oh, healthier. Yeah. And, and I think that is wonderful to hear. So, and congratulations. It, it is. Thank you. Um, I think that before we, we really made this, considered this um, launching this business, I had this mentality that starting a business was just so cost prohibitive and there's, you know, you weren't going to make money for five years and you're going to have to live on ramen noodles and your, um, your family's going to have to give up so much and that their startup expenses were bigger than I thought that they were going to be. And I think that with um, all the technology that we have, and that's primarily where we spend our money on expenses is technology solutions, um, that you can launch a small business so much more cost effectively than you did maybe even 10 years or 20 years ago. And I'm so appreciative of living in that world that we're able to do that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It is. It's easier and more accessible to do it than it ever has been before. Have there been Absolutely. any, you know, resources in particular, what we, it might be, you know, a person that you've latched onto or books or podcasts. Have there been any resources that have been really helpful for you along this journey? Um, you know, one of the podcasts that's, it's very specific to our industry. Um, there's a, really wonderful leader. His name is Michael Kitsis and he does a financial advisory um, success podcast um, often. And I've been listening to those and other financial advisors who have started their businesses around the country and you know what that journey looked like to them. And I've gotten some really great ideas um, from that podcast specifically. But like I said, it's pretty specific to our industry. <laughs> yeah. No, but, I think that's um, great. I think everybody needs to find those, those specific yeah. pieces that are, you know, it's specifically for the industry you're in and the challenges you're going through. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I, that, that one has um, opened my eyes immensely um, in the last couple of years. That's it's wonderful. Great. What yeah. would your, um, any kind of encourage, like, do you have any specific encouragement or advice for, <laughs> other business owners or people that are wanting to start their own business that are listening to this right now? Yeah. Um, kind of coming back to your saying, as far as starting a business, you kind of um, cross your fingers and hope that it works out. And I agree with that. You do have to take a risk at some point. There's a leap to take. However, the way, especially that we 
we made this leap was very planned. <laughs> we didn't necessarily just get together one day and say, let's, uh, let's quit our jobs and start a business. Um, we spent a lot of time, you know, creating this very calculated and very planned out, you know, risk that the, you know, the reward is certainly worth it. But personally, we all figured out how this is going to work with our own families and financial situations. And so, yes, it is a risk, but it's not as bad as it sounds or scary as it sounds if you really plan it out very thoroughly. Right. And so I, I wish I could, you know, go back and tell myself that, you know, five years ago that it's not as scary and as much of a gamble as it sounds. Yeah, I think I think that is that's wonderful. I think that's really good advice, and um, everybody needs to know that at some point. Well, th- we're coming to the close of this episode. I know before we hit record, um, you just you, I you did your homework. You had prepared for this, yeah. and you had specific thoughts and ideas that you want to talk about, and even things that maybe you guys believe that are different than others out there. I just kind of want to give you a last moment to like, is there anything else that you want the audience to know kind of about your industry, about what you guys are doing that's unique? Yeah. um, I think we've covered a a lot of it, but one thing we find in our industry is that most every firm says that they're doing what's in the best interest of the client. Um, And sometimes they are, but we found that oftentimes there's not. And so we came together and said, well, what if we actually did what's in the best interest of the client, as opposed to that just being lip service on our website. Um, and that's how we've created everything around that concept. And our weekly partner meeting conversations revolve around that concept as well Is, you know, what, it, what's in the be- what would be best for this client? Um, and so I'd like to think that that's what makes us unique, but it's not just what I want to say on our website. It's mm-hmm. what I want to live and breathe and practice in everything that we have, yeah. you know, Be- built so specifically. Before we go, could you give a couple quick examples of how you guys actually play that out in the day to day? Yeah. I'm kind of coming back to just our fee model where everyone pays the same right. amount. Um, it creates all that objectivity for us. We, um, and we, we feel like, it's it's very transparent and very fair and people have been thrilled to find a flat fee retainer type of structured business but more importantly um, limiting our our client relationships we all know what our own capacity looks like and we know that trying to stretch you know to too many client relationships doesn't do anybody any good Um, and we've seen that happen a lot in our industry Um, a lot of bait and switch situations where a client thinks they're working with a senior advisor, but then they kind of get shuffled down to a junior advisor, and it's just not what they signed up for at all. Uh, we've all been those junior advisors. Um, and so that's, I think that's, that's kind of one of some of the specifics that we've been trying to, to show to our clients. And more importantly, the impact investing, it's all revolved around that, um, right. that concept. And the people that are attracted to that has, have been so amazing to me. Everybody has such a really amazing story. And all of our clients are so philanthropic, but they want to align their investments that way too. And so the, um, it's really every client that we meet with just kind of is just sort of blows me away about how, how intelligent and how successful they are in their own industries. It's really neat. That's wonderful. I uh, love that. Who, <laughs> I, I just kind of want to give you a chance, who, where can people find you? 
And yeah. if one of those 180 households might be listening, um, how do they yeah. know they're the right person? Like who just kind of, who is your, who's the best fit for you guys? If somebody's listening to this and they're saying, man, I want to get in touch with them and find out more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we have a lot of information on our website, which is impactfolio.co, not.com, .co. <laughs> um, and the, our prior, you know, people who are really great fit for us are um, people who are driven by um, their value line investing through impact investing and really want to align their own investments that way. Um, but also people who tend to have between about 500,000 and 4 million of investable assets is where we can really um, reduce their management fees quite a bit in comparison to other firms. Right. But um, that seems to be kind of the people that have been attracted to our service structure. That's great. That's wonderful. Well, I encourage everybody, whether you're in that, in that space, uh, and in that season of life or not to go to their website and look, cause you guys do, you have a lot of really good resources and even some of the examples and charts that you talked through are on your website for people to look mm -hmm. at. And so thank you so much for Julie, for jumping on this episode with us. And thank you for being willing to share some of your story and what you do on the small business storytellers. Absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. This podcast was produced by Storyon Media and Marketing, and our passion is helping small businesses use stories to grow their business, and we create a community that helps you do just that. So if you don't have the budget to hire a big agency, but you really want to learn how to navigate online marketing, how to tell better stories, and really how to build a brand that lasts, then our program, Success with Stories Elite, is for you. Every single week, we give you new trainings, content ideas, and content blueprints to make marketing with stories easy. To join our community, head over to www.successwithstories.com elite, or just click on the link in our show notes. Again, that's successwithstories.com elite. Have an awesome day and let us know what you loved about this episode by leaving a review on iTunes or your favorite podcasting platform. Thank you so much. My name is Seth Silvers and I will see you next time.